0: It's been a busy week. I don't know about you, but I've had a busy week. I spent uh, several days up in Hibbing. Hibbing is my hometown. It's where I'm from. Um, our bus had some, some issues, so I was able to go up and, and work on the bus with uh, my brother and my brother-in-law. Uh, I don't get to spend a whole lot of time with those guys, so it was good. It's good. I hate to say this, but it was good to be out of the office. Uh, it's good to be working on things instead of people. Can I say that, too? Is that okay to say that in church? You know, so you fix something, and it kind of stays fixed. And but that's not always the case with people, right? Um, got the opportunity to go pick up Kevin yesterday. Uh, he's uh, visiting from Florida. All right. You know, we just sang a song about relying on the Lord and about praying. And this is, we pray for people, and we pray. When we pray, people are healed. and we, pray. You know, that's not always the case. It's not always, we can't manufacture it. But we can also see evidence of it. We have a prayer chain. Um, many of you know a, a lady by the name of Glenis Dixon who was uh, part of this congregation a couple of weeks ago. Her granddaughter fall, found her unconscious. She figured she'd been on the floor unconscious for over six hours. When I talked with her daughter, she's like, Pastor, it does not look good there, there. You know, she's on a ventilator. We're not expecting things to go well here. And she was pretty broke up. And so I said, well, we'll put her on the prayer chain. And then I couldn't get a hold of her daughter for a day or two days and three days. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, we're going to be planning a funeral here. And, and uh, finally I got a hold of her daughter the other day. And she said, oh, yeah, Mom's fine. You can call her if you want to. Three or four days ago, her body was filled with sepsis. Sep, is that what they call it? Sepsis, when you have infection in your bloodstream, and she was, and God healed her. God healed her. We stopped and saw a friend of Kevin's yesterday in the hospital. He just had surgery. The doctors weren't going to let him out until he, his body was functioning right. That's, I'll just say it that way. You all know what that means. His body needed to function right. And it hadn't functioned right since Tuesday. And so Kevin's like, can we pray for you? And I thought, as a pastor, I'm thinking there, thinking, go, man, go. I'm just going to sit back here, and, and we held hands, and Kevin prayed, and he called uh, his friend this morning. He was like, yeah, I should be getting out in a couple days. My, uh, my intestines started working last night. Everything is good. You know what? God is a good God, right? He's a good God. I can't, you can't manufacture it. You can't make it. You can't make that happen. But we're told to pray for the sick. And, and the Bible says, and the prayer of faith will raise them up. I, I, I can't make it happen. I don't understand how it happens. But we believe that God is still in the business of touching people. He's still in the business of healing people. He's still in the business of showing his love and expressing his grace. He's still in that business today. Amen? And you and I have the opportunity to be dispensers of that life and that hope and that peace and that grace. We have that opportunity on a daily basis. That's the truth. That's the way it is. I was going to, we're, we're going through the book of First Peter, and there was a passage last week that I kind of just touched on. We came to the end of chapter 1, and, and I just kind of cruised over this verse, and I was going to just go past it. I started preparing my sermon earlier in the week, and... Uh, Last night I went back at it, and I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to come back to this this passage of Scripture. I was just going to blow by it, but let's let's read this. Let's let's see here. In 1 Peter chapter one, it's near the end of the chapter, verse twenty-two. And we've been we've been at Peter. We're getting through chapter one. It's only taken us five weeks. I read a little slower than most of you all. Um, 1 Peter chapter one, verse twenty-two. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Peter says, now that you have purified yourself. How many of you know most of us come from a place where we walk in this world and we're not really very purified? You know, we're kind of, there's a few of you who are honest. We kind of have a mess in our life. Even when we try, we kind of have a mess in our life. And Peter says, if you want to get purified, here's how you do it. You obey the truth. Am I done? I mean, is somebody's alarm going off? I'm done here? Uh, are we, we obey the truth. And then he says, when you obey the truth, you will have a sincere love for one another. And he says, love one another deeply from the heart. Verse 23 says, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, All of their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. I'm always amazed when you see athletes or when you see movie stars or when you see somebody who's really attained something in this world where they've got real status. Guess what happens to all of them? They die. Right? Eventually, they just die. Their money fades, their glory fades. I don't care if you're the best athlete in the world, at some point you're going to get old and somebody's going to beat your record, right? It always happens. But that does not happen to the Word of God. Nothing supersedes the Word of God. Nothing has, nothing will. Nothing is going to supersede the Word of God, right? We believe that? As the Bible says you're not born again of an imperishable seed, an imperishable seed. You're not, we're not born again. We were born the first time from a perishable seed. We were born to die. That's what it amounts to, right? We were born and eventually we're going to perish. That seed was perishable. But when we're born again, we're born again not from a perishable but from an imperishable, a seed that will never die. We are born again. And he says, all the grass, all the glory of the flowers, all the fields, all that. If you saw the the leaves in the last two weeks, now I think they're on a downhill slide now. But as I was driving up to Hibbing the other day, the leaves were just spectacular. I saw a couple of trees. The ones that blow me away are the ones that are they're like green on the bottom and just flaming red on the top, and you've got all the oranges and the yellows. If that doesn't make you worship, in our woods, at our house, when you drive in our driveway, we had all these green trees, and right in the middle of them, back beyond the horse shed, is this. I, we don't have horses. It's just the shed, okay? But right in the middle of that is this spectacular, bright, r- orange-red tree, and it's just fantastic. I don't know how we can look at that and not go, look at that. That's the hand of God nobody can paint that and you know why we know that's because you take a leaf off and as soon as you take a leaf off and take a picture of it it doesn't look the same it's like it's just not as good it's just there's just something in that god setting that makes it spectacular it's like the it's like the sun hits it and it just comes alive well even that all all of that is going to perish it's going to fade in three days i was in hibbing and i drove back and i thought everything's changed In three days, all that splendor, all that glory. But the Word of God doesn't change. That stays just as alive in me and just as alive in you as it ever was. You know, we get to tap into that, right? Okay, wait a minute. You know, we get to tap into that, right? Tell your face. Okay, tell your face. Let your face know that there is a joy. That we can have there is a life that we can have there is a peace that we can have Peter reminds his listeners that God is impartial in the way that he judges people this is a big deal it's a big deal for us as believers I think sometimes we think as Christians once we accept Jesus that now we can just coast okay I I, I've I've I don't know how else to say it but okay I've been a bit of a hellion, I've lived a tough life, I've kind of done whatever I wanted to do over here, and now I'm going to accept Jesus, and I'll just be a little bit better. I'll go to church, but I'm not really going to change. That's not acceptable to God. He loves us, he cares for us, but you can expect a chastening if that's how you want to live your life. And by the way, please don't come to your pastor and say, well, the devil's trying to beat me up. If you're living like you're in his playground... He's not trying to beat you up. He's just taking all the control that you're giving him, right? God wants us to be transformed. He wants us to change. We're new people. He took us out of the kingdom of darkness and placed us in the kingdom of light. You've heard me preach this over and over again. But the reason is because he was that pure, perfect, spotless lamb. We say all the time that salvation's free, and that's a lie, okay? Salvation is not free. It costs somebody their life, right? It costs Jesus his life. Salvation is free for us to receive, but it was not free. He paid for it with his blood. And every time we take sin so lightly in our world and just decide we're gonna do whatever we want, what we're doing is it's like slapping them in the face. I get, God, that you, you poured out your blood on the cross. I get it. Well, nobody else has poured out their blood for me, right? Nobody else has taken one for me. I, I, only Jesus did that. I don't know how to, how to quite say this, but I think way too often we just, we take his grace so for granted, so for granted. We take it so lightly. And we think, well, we can just do whatever we want. We can just live however we want. God will forgive me tomorrow. I know I'm going to sin tonight, but God will forgive me tomorrow. And it's quite likely that he will. But in the middle of all of that, it's like you've just given him another stripe. It's like you've just added to his level of pain. You know how it feels as a person to be for somebody to take advantage of you. And you feel like, man, I've given and I've given and I've given, and now you you want me to give again? Peter is saying this blood that was poured out is so precious. I'm going to go back a couple of verses. Verse 18. You know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed. I talked about this last week. You were redeemed from an empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But it's with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without spot or blemish or defect. He was chosen. Verse 20. He was chosen before the creation of the world. Before the creation of the world, he was chosen to pay for your sin and my sin. Before the foundation of the world, before it was even created, before you were created, before you took one breath, before you sinned one time, before you said one thing, before all of that, he chose to come and pay for your sin. How many other friends you have will do that? Doesn't happen. Can't even get somebody to come out and help you when you got a flat tire. Right? Before the foundation of the world, God knew that I was going to sin. And if there was nobody else that sinned, He'd have sent Jesus for me. And you can put your name in there too. Before the foundation of the world, and that whole thing, Peter said remained a mystery but in verse 20 it says but was revealed in these last times for your sake you and i have the ability to actually meet this man to to have a connection with him spiritually to have him come into our life you and i have the ability to walk in that truth god knew we would rebel and yet he decided beforehand. See, sometimes I think, we, we, we think that, that you know, the whole concept of God coming to pay for our sins was an afterthought. Well, I'm not really sure if Adam's gonna sin or not. Oh, 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 there's, oh he's getting up, he's getting close to the tree. God's not up in heaven going, get away from the tree, get away from the tree. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. God knew from the time he created Adam and he still chose to create him. He knew before you and I were born that we were gonna sin and he still chose to have us born so that we could have a relationship with Jesus down the road. What a God. Isn't that amazing? If you knew someone was going to hurt you over and over, would you still, you know, it's like, I'm not sure. I mean, let's just boil it down. You knew somebody was going to steal from your company. You got this company, and you know somebody's going to steal from you. Are you going to hire them just so you can forgive them down the road? Probably not. After telling the believers here to live their lives on earth in a reverence and a respect for God, Peter says we need to have sincere love for one another. John says in 1 John, Dear children, do not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. The other day I was in Hibbing and I got a call from uh, my son Jared needs a taxi to get to work and I get a call from the taxi driver and he's like, hey, he said, I got a problem this morning, you know, if you can get Jared to work, it'd be great, uh, somebody called in and blah, 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 and I can't get Jared to work today. And I'm like, "Ah, oh, I'm on the other side of the state. Well, if you can get him to work, and I'm like oh, okay. So then, just get off the phone with him. Thursday, this was just got off the phone with him, and then Jared calls me, Dad. Rob's not here. I'm like, yeah, I know. He's not, he's not gonna make it. What are we gonna do? I said I'm working on it. So after a couple of minutes, I called Jared back, and he's general. I'm telling on you, Jared. Is it okay? He's gonna say no. <laughs> I called Jared back, and I, he, I didn't get his normal. Hey, Dad, I got what? <laughs> I'm working on it, okay? So I thought to myself, while I'm driving out to the garbage dump on the other side of the state, I thought, if I was sitting in my Thursday morning men's group and I told those guys that I, I couldn't get Jared to work because somebody's car broke down and because this happened, I'd have a half a dozen of them climb all over me and say, why didn't you call? Why didn't you call? So I called. I called Lloyd. I said, hey, what do you got going this morning? Well, he said, I'm going to breakfast. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I said, okay. What's going on? I said, "Oh, well, you got plans. It's okay. And he's like, no, what's going on? I said, well, Jared's stuck at home. I got to get him to Audubon. I'm on it. I'll get it. You know what the Bible calls that? God calls that sincere love for one another. Is that a big deal? Yeah, it's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. His plans changed. I think he still got breakfast out of it, but his plans changed. Peter says that our love needs to be sincere as opposed to what? Insincere, right? You've seen people You know people that tell you how much they love you, and it's not sincere, right? We know that. Paul, John, Peter, get all of them. Peter says, your love needs to be sincere. None of us likes to receive insincere love. None of us do. John says, how about, don't just say you love me, but do something behind it. James, Jesus' younger half-brother, says, says that faith without works is dead. But when we apply works to our faith, it brings life. Whether Lloyd knows it or not, there was an infusion of life that day because I'm 180 miles away and can do nothing about this situation and I'm the dad and it happens every time I go for a couple of days. (laughs) It does. Trees fall on the house. They fall across the driveway. Stuff, every time I go, something happens. But when we have sincere love for one another, God takes care of that. The second thing he says about that love is the love should be deep. King James translates that word deep there as fervent as opposed to shallow and lacking fervor, lacking some kind of zeal. We need to have fervent, deep, compassionate love for one another. A love that's willing to say, I will just lay down what I have, I'll just lay it down for you. Do we live in that kind of world? Do we have those kinds of friends around us? Are we that kind of friend? Are we that kind of person? Because we'll never be that kind of church if we're not that kind of person, right? What's a church made up of? Us, people. If we're not going to be fervent in our love for one another, if we're not going to take it to a deeper level, well, you know, I love you on Thursday morning during breakfast. That's all really good. It's the strangest thing. Our men's group is strange. It's a weird thing. It started happening about four years ago. Five, something, four years ago. Our group's been going for about seven or eight years now. But probably about four or five years ago, one guy in the group, every time he left, all right, love you guys. It's like, all right, that's kind of weird. I mean, it's good, and we're in church, and that's okay. No, no, I love you. he would come up and give you a hug. All right, I love you. You will hear more I love yous in that group of men than in most homes. you know that? But here's the deal. It's not a shallow thing. It's guys who care about each other. It's guys who I believe really do truly love one another, Right? You're part of the men's group. Do you believe that you're loved? Do you believe, it? I mean, th- th- you just don't know what's gonna happen. Sometimes when our group gets done, we can go from seven to eight o'clock and sometimes we're there, recently it hasn't been so bad, but sometimes it's like 11 o'clock before people leave because they're just talking to each other. They're just, they're just or you know what, man, I gotta get my doc out. and Two guys are going, well, I'll go with you and get your doc out. This is a weird thing. But Peter says that's how the body of Christ should behave it's a strange thing but I should be able to call and say hey is there any way you could pick up my son yeah got it and I have a, a very I believe the core of my being that if there was no way that Lloyd could have done it that either he would have made five calls for me or that there are five other guys that I could have called I just believe that because that's the kind of group that is. The Bible says, P- Peter says, that love for one another should be deep. There should be a fervor. There should be a warmth. There needs to be action with it. And here's the deal. When we love people deeply, it impacts them deeply. That's a, that's a very simple statement. But it is very true if we're going to be purveyors of the gospel, if we're going to tell people, hey, you know, we believe in this Jesus, and, and you can call on us anytime you need help, but we don't answer, we don't pick up, or we don't do anything about it, then the gospel doesn't go very deep then, does it? How's it going to go deep? You and I have to be the ones to go deep. I want you to get this. I want you to get this. It's not just, we don't just get to preach it and go, that's the way it is. It's not the way it is until it is the way it is. Until you and I take it to that next level. It's not, I, I can preach this till I'm blue in the face. If we don't do something about it, if we don't grab a hold of it and say, okay, I'm gonna be that guy that goes deep. I'm gonna be that guy that goes to the next level. It's not going to happen. That's what Peter is talking about. The third thing he says when it comes to this love that we're supposed to show is that it's supposed to be pure from the heart. The word heart refers to the seat of our emotions, our desires, our intentions, our motives. So Peter seems to be saying that if we love someone, we need to ensure that our love is clean, that it's sincere, that it's genuine, that the motives and the desires are right because if it's not the case, then we're not really showing love. Love is just going to be a thing of convenience. It's just going to be when it fits our schedule. So when Peter is talking about this, he's talking about this is how we as believers need to live our lives. We're different from the world around us. Maybe, maybe sometimes that's not true. You know, I think sometimes there are worldly organizations that maybe even do a better job than the church. So, maybe, maybe we need to catch up. Maybe as believers, sometimes we're even behind There's a lot of social organizations that do a lot of good for people, right? A lot of organizations out there, people are really trying to help. The challenge is for us, how do we live it out sincerely? How do we live it out deeply? How do we live it out pure? How do we live it out not so it's just for the benefit of that person, but how do we live it out so it's for the benefit of the kingdom of God? It's a challenge for us. We can read this So quickly, Peter says that we should love sincerely and fervently with a pure heart because, that all starts, this all starts with a therefore, because we're born again. Because we're born with a new and living hope. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Because there's something different in us. That's why. Does that get us any closer to God? Does that make us any more righteous? Does that get us any more salvation? No, we're still just as saved, but because there's a new life in us, we should be dispensers of that new life. John says in John chapter 1 verses 12 and 13, "But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God has given us the ability to become his children. What are we going to do with that? Are we going to act like his children? Or are we not going to act like his children? Are we going to act the ways of the flesh? Are we just going to do what we want to do? I got my ticket. I'm going to heaven. I guess that's too bad for you if you don't have one. Go to that church over there. They got tickets for heaven. But but I'm not going to share anything that I got with you. It's a challenge for us, folks. It's a challenge for us. How are we going to live our lives? Well, pastor, someone might take advantage of me. You're right. Someone might. This is a challenge for me. I'm not preaching something to you because I got this all figured out. I'm preaching to you because I'm halfway across the state and I got people calling me with all kinds of other problems. I need 50 bucks for this. I need 10 bucks for that. I need this. I need that. Can you come fix this? Can you come do... I, I have to check my heart on a regular basis. What's my motive? Is my love sincere? Is, is my love sincere? here? Am I doing that out of a right heart? Am I doing it because I'm born again and because this I have this new life in it, me? Or is it because if I say no, people are going to think bad of the church or they're going to think bad of their pastor? This is, this is one of those mirror verses where you read this and you should be looking in a mirror because it kind of reflects something. Peter goes on in chapter 2 and verse 1 And he starts out with therefore. Remember I've told you there's a lot of therefores in the book of Peter. Therefore, because you've been born again, because of this pure love, because you have gotten yourself in a right position, because you're following, because of all that, therefore, rid yourself. What? Rid yourself of all malice. Rid yourself of all deceit. Rid yourself of all hypocrisy. Rid yourself of all envy. Rid yourself of all slander of every kind. Rid yourself of that. You know how many times, right, we go to God and we say, Oh, God, oh, God, I blew it again. Please help me not be a hypocrite. Oh, God, please take envy away. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, Rid yourself of that. wait a minute. What do I do when my neighbor gets a new boat and I really like his new boat and I think I should have a new boat? Or he gets a better one. <laughs> That's what I already do. It doesn't work. <laughs> I still want his boat. I don't even fish. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to what he says because he gives us the answer. Peter 2 says, like newborn babies... This has been so confusing to me for decades. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. You want to get over envy? You want to get over jealousy? You want to get over deceit? You want to get over malice? How do you do it? Pray, crave that pure spiritual milk. There has to be a change. There has to be a, a, an exchange. You've got to say, I've got this envy, God, and I want to get rid of it. I've got greed. I want to get rid of it. He's like, fine, grab a hold of my word. Grab a hold of my word. You're like, I don't have those cravings. Develop them. Develop a craving for it. Well, how do I do that? Do it whether you feel like it or not. Here's the answer. The answer is this. I'm telling you the answer right now. You want to get rid of envy. You want to get rid of malice. You want to get bitterness. You want to get rid of all that. Go after God's word. That's the answer. That is the only answer. It's it. That's it. So you're going to say, well, I want to do it another way. Guess what? It ain't going to work. You're going to have that same bitterness, that same envy, that same... Why? Because we need his word. Well, I don't understand it. Well, stop starting in Leviticus. Okay? Okay. Read through John first, okay? Don't start in Genesis. Don't look at Revelation and try and figure out the end of it. Start in John, okay? And once you get through John and you go, I want to see how this really works out, then look at some things that are going on in Acts because that might just, some of that stuff might go on in your life. But grab a devotional, grab a book where we can say, I just need some of this. You might not even understand it. You don't need to understand it. You don't. You don't because you get God's word in there and it begins to work on your spirit man on the inside whether you understand it or not. Right? This morning about 5 o'clock, I'm laying in bed and it's been a busy week and I didn't get much time to prepare my message and I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking, God, I need to remember what 2 Peter is about. I'm not going to turn on the light. I need to remember this. I need to remember it. So I went back to 1 Peter, and I thought, I remember, okay, in 1 Peter, Peter's talking about being born again of an imperishable seed. He's talking about being born into a new kingdom. He starts, And I started rehearsing all these things that were going on in 1 Peter, and all of a sudden, 2 Peter came alive. While I'm laying there at 5 o'clock, I remember, okay, i got to rid myself of malice. i got to rid myself of envy. I have to rid myself. How often do we just turn and say, God, I need to remember what your word says. I need to remember it. If we've got, somebody here, a visitor for the first time today. You guys are visitors, right? Can I see that little book you were given? No, 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 the little book you were given. Look at this one. If you haven't gotten one of these, we started giving these away a little while ago if you're visitors. It's called Armed and Dangerous. You open it up and it says you're struggling with guilt. Oh, look here. Here's about 10 verses on guilt. Is are worried about healing. There's about 15 verses on healing. Fear. Here's another seven or eight verses. Guess what? If you're struggling with something, grab one of these little books at the information booth. Okay. Maybe you say, "Well, I've been here a while. It's okay. Go talk to Shelley. If we don't have enough, we're getting more. They're ordered. Get one of these and start memorizing some of these verses. Why? Because that's what's going to change us. That's what's gonna bring us to that point where all of a sudden we are walking in a righteous life where we actually have something to give away. So we're next to a guy sitting on a bus and he's talking about all the problems we got. You know what? I got just the thing to you. Go for your Bible. Go go to the book of John. John chapter, blah, 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 blah. And you can start to share the truth with them. Why? Because you have the truth in you. But until you get the truth in you, you don't have anything to share. You don't have anything to draw on. And here's the deal. Peter puts the ball in our court. It's up to you. Here's the truth. Rid yourself of it. How do you rid yourself of it? Go after God's word. I'm stuck. I can't get rid of envy. Go after God's word. I'd like to try it another way. Go after God's word. What would you say if I've tried it too? Go after God's word. I'm still stuck. Go after God's word. Is there a pattern? Yeah, go after God's word. I think the Bible is an old and antiquated book. Go after God's word. It's new and it's alive and it's fresh. And it never changes. But it will change you. It'll change me. You're not going to change it. You can try. People have tried. You're not going to change it. But it might change you. I started looking up that word malice. This is the first one that came up. Malice is a desire to do someone harm. It's a spirit of revenge for personal gratification. One one, uh, Bible dictionary says it's naughtiness, wickedness, evil, trouble. Stay clear of malice. Stay clear of deceit. All these things that want to work in our lives. Deceit's going to come after your your words, your actions, your attitudes. Hypocrisy. You know what hypocrisy looks like in a church? Hypocrisy looks like a person walking around who thinks they're holier than anybody else. Kind of got this all together. Guess what? You put your pants on the same way everybody else does. You may have different colored socks, but they still go under your shoes. It's just the way it is. If you're going to wear socks, that's how we wear them. You're just the same as everybody else. We all have our failures. If you want to really test your hypocrisy, test your Christianity, see how good your Christianity is, I dare you to just hold your hand on a car door and let somebody shut it. Catch the end of your thumb right about there. You're going to find out just how deep your Christianity runs at that moment in time by the words that come out of your mouth. That's a great barometer. As the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Listen to what Paul says in the book of Galatians. When he's talking about craving God's word craving it making that desire real how do you do it you do it by going after it you do it by saying I've got this problem I've got this envy I've got this greed I've got this this lust I've got this desire for something that I know is not godly how do I combat it I'm going to go after it. I want to be hungry for God's word and I know we we want to wait until we've got that hunger but I'm telling you you got to get that taste in your mouth you got to get that taste in your heart you know what ancient Israel used to do with their little kids? When they read them the Torah, when they read God's word to them, they would take a dip of honey, pizza, and they'd put it on their tongue. So the kids knew that the word of God was sweet. They knew it was sweet. If you have to keep a little bag of mini Hershey's sitting by your dress, your desk, so that every time you eat the, you eat the word, you read the word, you take a Hershey's kiss so that you know that it's sweet. If you have to do that for a while, that'd be acceptable. Now you chocoholics out there, you're just looking for an excuse. But if it gets you in the word, listen to what Paul says in Galatians. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, rather to serve one another humbly in love. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're going right back to that love. But it's got to be pure love. It's got to be genuine love. It's got to be sincere. It's got to be deep. It's got to be real. But if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by it. I just was with somebody not that long ago and we're standing there. There was uh, four or five of us. I don't know. And at the end of the conversation, one of them goes, Oh, yeah, I love you. Have a great day. Love you. Have a great day. Love you. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, There was lots of love in the circle, lots of love. And then this couple walked away. And that guy looked at me and he said, those two are just idiots. Where's the love? Who's deceived? He's deceived himself into thinking that that he's got real love for these people. First words out of his mouth, those two are idiots. Where's, where's, Where's the heart of Christ in that? Paul says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out, you're going to destroy each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. How are you going to know what the desires of the Spirit are? Getting in the Word. Getting in the Word. They are in conflict one with another, so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19 through 21 is the acts of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, uh, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. But listen to this, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit... We've we've said this before. The fruit of the Spirit is the result of being in the presence of the Spirit. It's the result of walking in the Spirit. The fruit of walking in the Spirit. Say, I want to get rid of of anger. I want to get rid of lust. I want to get rid of of jealousy and envy and malice. I want to get rid of that. Hang out with the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit, the result of being in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the result of getting hold of God's Word is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness. Have you ever been around a a person, you go, I don't know what it is about that guy, but they just never say anything wrong. They're just such a great guy. Man, I like just hanging out with that guy. When our men's group often, we talk about, I don't know who the guy is, but there's apparently some greeter out at Walmart that everybody just loves. Right? I don't know his name. I don't know. I don't even go out to Walmart that often. But everybody's like, oh, yeah, he, he's moved to another Walmart, and we're begging him to come back here. And I'm like, really? Yeah, he's such a great guy. I'm thinking, I wouldn't mind that to be my testimony. People say that when they left my presence. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? You know how that happens? Hang out with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Because if you walk in the Spirit... People are going to know you for your love and your joy and your peace and your forbearance and your kindness and your goodness and your faithfulness and your self-control. And against such, there is no law. You can never be too kind. There's no law against being too kind. You can be a jerk, and that's not nice, and people might not like you, but if you get to be a jerk at a certain level, all of a sudden there's laws against that. But there's no law in being a dispenser. No law against being a dispenser of peace. I've said this again over and over. It's critical for us to understand. Both Peter and Paul are saying the same thing. This attitude of this behavior is not something that we do so that we gain more of Christ. It's what we do because we have Christ. We should be a reflection of Christ, and, and that's. If you come back next week, that's where we'll take off from. 1 Peter chapter 2. Talks about Jesus being a living stone. And he says, guess what? You're little living stones too. Really? Really? I'm the same thing? Yeah, you're the same thing. You've got that same love of Christ in you. It's just as good. It's good. The, God, the Word of God is good. Put yourself towards the Word of God all the time. You've got struggles. We crave Pure spiritual milk, and that will transform us. That will change us, but it's only the Word of God that's going to change us. That's it. That's it. We can maybe put off some things on our own for a while, but if we want real transformation from the inside out, real heartfelt stuff comes only from the Word of God. Amen? Amen? Lord, we just thank you for each person here today. I thank you for your Word. Your Word is alive. Your Word is real. Your Word is life when we walk in your spirit, when we walk in your presence, the result of that, the fruit of that in our life is love, joy, peace, patience. It's transformation. It's becoming somebody different. It really is, God. It's about being somebody different. And I pray for each person in this room, each person that's watching us online. that as they grab a hold of your word and they choose to walk in it, they would begin to recognize, you know what, I don't have that bitterness anymore. I don't even have to fight the battle. All I got to do is get closer to Jesus. I don't have that strife. All I got to do is get closer to Jesus. The anger I used to have, if I get closer to Jesus, it's gone away. I don't need a pill for that. The fear that I have, if I just get closer to Jesus, God, I pray you'd make that real in our lives. I believe that's what Peter was saying. You'd make it real in our life. God was purchased by your precious blood. And we declared that this morning when we took communion help us to help us to believe it at such a level that we walk it out in our daily lives in Jesus name amen amen, amen. amen. god bless you have a great week and go out and be Jesus to somebody bless you